This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. It is that time of weekend again. Welcome into the program. It is Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM. Good Saturday morning to you. Trying to get you up and moving for the day, ready to kick off a whole new weekend. I heard a rumor tweet tweet that the wind's not going to be as bad as what it has been the last really almost week. Good golly. Blowing in springtime, and it's officially here. A little bit warmer, a little bit calmer. And let's kick it off the proper way. Welcome in 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK if you want to join into the program. We would love to hear from you today with anything on your mind. We have a big show lined up as usual. A lot of things to get to today. Coming up, hour number two, Tony Mativi, candidate for attorney general for the state of Kansas. He'll be joining us. Talk about the campaign. Talk about himself a little bit. Have yet to have him on the show, so looking forward to chatting with him in a little bit. Also, bottom of next hour, state representative from District Number 94 here in the Wichita area, Leo Delperdang. He'll be joining us in studio as well as they are on their couple of week break in the legislative session. So what have we done? What's going on in Topeka? What have we worked on? What is the agenda when they go back here in a couple of weeks to finish things up for the year of 2022? We'll get to all that and more coming up here in just a little bit. All of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Make sure to check them out at Phil's Coins. They're opening in about 25 minutes from now. You can also find them online, philscoins.com. And as we get him in every few weeks here, Mr. Phil Martinez himself. How are you, sir? It's fine, sir. It's good to see you again. Yeah, happy. It is hard to believe that we're already into the fourth month of the year. It is flying on by. First quarter all said and done. And you guys are still just busier as ever. Oh Lord! <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good. You're, it keeps you out of trouble, and you are supplying people with necessities. Oh God, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it really is. I, you'd ever told me I would have done this much business, I'd have told you you were crazy. Yeah. Well, we were talking off the air beforehand. How many people not only are coming in and surprised that you have things in stock, but calling from out of state? Like I, I always joke about how. You guys not only are the biggest supplier of gold and silver, not just in Wichita or in Sedgwick County or even really in the state of Kansas, but you're really the only ones in the region that actually have inventory. But it sounds like, I mean, you're getting calls from Michigan. You're getting calls from Florida. You're getting calls from all over the place of people surprised that you have something and wanting to do business with you even uh, on location. Yep. And unfortunately, I mean, I guess it's not unfortunately, but we were on a few people that actually have anything in stock. Yeah, all the big boys, all the big companies are anywhere from thirty to forty-five days out. And at this point, knock on wood, if you walk in, you can walk out with whatever you want within reason. Uh, within reason. Well, I mean, somebody comes in and want, like I sold all my K Rans yesterday, mm-hmm. and I sold all my Philharmonics yesterday. So I wouldn't have any of that for sale today because I sold like thirteen ounces yesterday. Okay, all and right. so you know, so uh, that kind of stuff, but. Eagles, uh, buffaloes, maple leaves—we've got in stock. We order that stuff almost every day. Wow, we, we get in something almost every day. What's your average order when you order gold and silver? How big is the order? Because I usually, said, you, you, usually, most of the time, it's in between ten and fifteen. If gold is ten to fifteen ounces, the other day we ordered okay. thirty. Uh, actually, the other day we ordered sixty ounces in one day. Okay. Uh, silver, I ordered almost four thousand ounces. I ordered four thousand ounces. Yesterday. Four thousand ounces, and you're doing orders daily, like you said. Yeah, most of the time we order a thousand to two thousand a day, almost every day. Wow. Uh, yesterday was four thousand. We had a couple of really large sales. 
The according to CNBC, the report uh, or the the markets yesterday wrapped up with silver right around twenty four ninety. Does that sound about right? Sounds a little too high to me. A little high, a little high. Uh, I'm surprised that it's still this low though, because of uh, I mean, obviously with the effects that it's had on the market with the Russia Ukrainian war that's been ongoing for a while, that's caused some other issues. I'm still surprised that silver and even gold are still as low as what they are right now. I. I can't tell you because I'm I'm as dumbfounded as anybody else. I know there's uh, Chase Stanley Morgan is all in hot to go up. Okay. There's about eight major banks that are short. So I predict that if you see silver get into the 32, 33 category, mm-hmm. that at that point they'll take all the butt whipping they want to take. Right. And at that point they'll say, you know, maybe we need to get off the pity pot and keep taking We've, t- we've taken all the losses we can afford to take. And at that point, the problem they've got is they've already they've sold something they don't have. There's not enough silver. They can't go out there and buy the silver back in to, for the shorts. Right. So they only have one choice, and that's to reverse from short contracts to long contracts. And if everybody's in going up, I hmm. I mean, I've got a guy talking yesterday, and I got to see hundred dollars silver before I worry about five hundred dollars silver. But <laughs> but there are predictions out there that in the next six seven years you'll see six hundred dollars silver. Sure. Well, you've talked about this for a while. You expected hundred dollars silver here, but within the next year or so. I expected I expected sixty to hundred dollars silver last year. Yeah. I mean, I would have I'd have bet you a thousand dollars we'd have saw fifty over fifty dollars silver last year, and I would have lost my thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I you, you, I don't lose bets very often. I don't bet on anything. I think. I mean. Why would you bet on something you think you're going to lose on? Uh, right, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. all, you know the writing's on the wall, but I know that basically 90% of everything being mined right now is going straight in is going straight into industry. So there's very little investment silver out there. I mean, right now, uh, what is the ratio? Do you know the ratio between what's actually being used for investment and being used for people with making coins, and then the stuff that's being made for solar panels and for electric vehicles and for cell phones and for the industrial side? Do you know the ratio how where silver is actually going? They tell me about ninety percent of us going for industry. Ninety percent. Ninety percent only leaves about ten percent for investments. That's kind of scary. I, I mean, you know, if you you know the government talks about well, there's not a silver shortage. There's only a planchet shortage. But the mm. companies that are buying the silver that's making the planchets, they buy it at usually back a spot somewhere, and they sell it for a little over spot to the government. It's under contract, and they can't vary vary on their prices. Well, all of a sudden now it's something that they're selling to the government for 30 or 40 cents over spot. Now it's costing them dollar, dollar and a half, two dollars over spot. They can't buy it for what they're selling it for. So they've cut back on the amount of planches they're building for the government. I mean, government didn't last two, three weeks of last month, didn't build Silver Eagles because they don't have any planches. Right. And so the supply and demand is crazy. I mean, you know, I'm basically. Anybody you talk to will tell you that they're, you know, two months out, you know, um, uh, some of the biggest bullion places in uh, JM bullion, one of the biggest places in America. I didn't call them. I only heard this in my shop. Somebody come in and goes, called JM bullion the other day. Yeah. And that's about like two weeks ago. And he said, they're 45 days out. Uh, A lot of the big companies are anywhere from 30 to 45 days out. Had a guy come in the other day and I won't mention any company, but he goes, man, this is way better than such and such. And I says, well, we check their prices daily. I said, we should be pretty close to them. I said, so I don't see the big deal about how much better it is that fills coins and such and such. And he goes, well, if I order, he bought 150 ounces. He said, if I buy 150 ounces from 
that company, it's 30 to 45 days out. And I walked in and, and, and handed you cash and walked out with 150 ounces. Right. I didn't have to wait 30, 45 days. Yeah. And so that's, that's where we're starting to pick up a lot of people. Like I say, they're calling from all over the country going, you actually, how long would I have to wait to get it? We actually have it in stock. So right, right now, knock on wood, we still are able to take care of everybody's needs. Now, with all the daily orders that you're making, are you actually getting the shipments in daily as well? Or has it been pretty consistent? Or the, is last, there the last week, we've done well. We were down to about 4,000 ounces, but I've, I'm, I'm probably setting it at about 15,000 right now. I've, okay. been get, I've been getting in anywhere from 5,000, from 2,500 to 5,000 ounces a day, literally every day. Yeah. But so, but it's, it's, but we're still got probably 20, I bet I got 20,000 ounces on order. Wow. I mean, you know, the day we had 30,000 ounces of silver on order. Sure. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Now when you order, and we've talked a little bit about this before, I mean, when you're ordering from it, I mean, your supplier, I'm sure is tr- just trying to keep up with your orders. I mean, are they getting orders like this from any other places or, or is it place that we're doing business with tells us we're the largest place they have. We have a, Basically, we have an agreement that they'll ship all our silver within 30 days, three weeks to 30 days. Okay. If you're not Phil's coins, you're waiting seven weeks to eight <laughs> weeks. So, you know, it's about all he can do. Matter of fact, when they got down towards December last year, they, they quit ordering, they quit taking orders from anybody on silver except Phil's coins yeah. because we buy so much. He says, all we can do to keep up with you. I was going to say, like, they're just, they're just trying to fulfill your demands. You're, you're creating a silver empire here, just a golden silver empire uh, nationwide. We're like, you know what? We're just going to give you the mine. Just do your thing, Phil. Yeah. I had somebody come in the other yesterday and buy $20,000 worth of silver. And we were joking. I said, you know, you have more silver than probably any coin shop or anybody in the state of Kansas as far as, like, silver rounds and stuff. Yeah. And I said, I ain't too sure you haven't got more than every, all the coin shops in Kansas put together because really nobody, no, nobody's got it. The reason that I that I hone in on this for for many of the listeners is to realize that if you're if you're interested in any way, shape, or form to get this, or to be interested in starting to either invest or to get it for an emergency fund or to get it just because you think it's cool or if you want certain coins or whatever, now's the time to do it because the price is so artificially low because that you still have stock as of right now. And as you continue to try and get that stock. So if there's any interest in it at all, you know, it's, are we creating a little bit of a sense of urgency? Yeah. I'm creating a sense of urgency right now because I don't know how much longer this is going to be able to maintain. If you're doing orders of, you know, anywhere between one to 4,000 ounces a day and it's up to 30 days out getting there. So you're trying to prepare ahead of time. I mean, there's going to be a point to where it's going to be a struggle even for you to get it in. And you're the only one that's got it. Well, yeah, I tell you, I tell you you're crazy, but no, you know, people have no idea. I mean, they come, I, I think they think that we just, you know, put our hands out and somebody puts yeah. silver in. They have no idea that, you know, we're, we're basically 30 day, 30 days out. Right. And if you're not Phil's coins, a lot of these places are, even these companies sell into the public, other, other places, uh, they're, you know, they're anywhere from 30 to 45 days out. Right. So a lot of places are 45 days out, some places out further than that. So, I mean, but at the same time, it's like, you want to take your wife to supper and you call and make a reservation. Well, that's great. But I called for this. I called for a reservation two days ahead of you. Yep. And so when we get there, I get seated first because I was the first one on the list. And that's what I've learned about buying precious metals is the fact that as soon as I sell it, I buy it back in. Somebody come in about a thousand ounces the other day. And before they got, before we ever got outside to their car, 
I'd already bought that thousand ounces back because I'm trying to keep my name at the top of the list so that whatever comes in, I get first. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to people actually coming in to buy stuff, buying versus selling metal, people coming in wanting to sell some of their silver, what's the ratio there? Is anybody coming in to actually sell the stuff that they have, or is everybody coming in just One to buy? One of the guys bought a fairly large deal yesterday from uh, – he's not a competitor, but he's somebody that has a business there in town, and mm-hmm. he buys stuff off the street occasionally, and he told us what he wanted for it. We were able to pay him that for it, and I don't know how much we bought exactly. I mean, we probably bought, you know, we're starting to see a little more gold come in. Okay. But um, sometimes, you know, the silver, silver's pretty tight coming in. We're seeing a little bit of junk silver and stuff come in. I got one deal that we're waiting for the guy to call us back on. He's got about, he sold us about $85,000 worth of silver. Sure. But it's something, you know. Is there like a seasonal time when you see people come in to maybe sell, maybe like spring cleaning time of, oh, like we cleaned out grandma and grandpa's house and we found this in the attic and we want to see the value and try and get rid of it? Uh, or is it just kind of sporadic of when you see people like, hey, I need some cash, I need to sell my silver? A lot of what we see is people's, a lot of estates. Okay. You know, people, somebody passed away, you know, husband passed away six months, a year ago, whatever. We went out to somebody's house the other day and picked up some stuff and we didn't think she had very much. And she goes, well, my husband passed away about a year ago. And he said, you know, if you're ever going to sell it, there's only one place to sell it. And that's Phil's coin. So we drove out there and. She showed me a little bit of dab on the table, and I thought, well, this is $30, $40, $50 worth. It's not, you know, it wasn't worth our time to drive down there. No. And, uh, but then we went in the back, went back in the bedroom, and she drug stuff out from under the bed, and it turned out to be almost 30, uh, but she had a lot of silver that he bought, and the tags were there. He, you know, silver he bought at $8, and he sell, he's selling at $25. He, he did pretty well on some of this stuff. Sure. And I'm sitting there going, I'm, even though it was 35000 I thought, well, I was kind of surprised it was, that little and she goes oh well he's got a safe that i don't know how to get into and then there's a safety deposit box full of stuff at the bank so we'll probably be looking at another hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff but wow. uh you know I, we've done business so it's amazing we've been driving bit, try not to drive to pick up collections we, right but, but everybody is wanting them done we're driving them picking them up and then we they let us bring them to the shops and then we figure them right there we got all the com- computers and calculators and every all the books we need to figure what they have, and then we call them with an offer and send them a check. So it worked quite well that way for us. Very good. I love that. Let's take a break here. Twenty one minutes past the hour. We got some calls on the line as well. If you have a question for Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins at ninety three forty four West Central Avenue, all your buying, selling, and trading for your gold and silver needs with honesty and integrity. We'll get to you. Uh, If you want to call about some other stuff, we'll get to you here in just a little bit as well. But when we come back, we'll talk about some more of this. uh, How can he sustain this gold and silver market? We'll talk about some of the political issues and flavors that are bleeding into this as well. Lots to get to today. It's Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM for a Saturday morning, getting you up and moving for the day. Stay right here. Back into the program. Got a few minutes left here with Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. I, we were talking off the air a little bit as well. I am excited. Um, 
tax season is here, which hint, hint, wink, wink for those that are getting a tax return. Maybe this is a way to do it. I, uh, I'm, I'm totally doing the the Dave Ramsey style budget, of course, the thousand dollar emergency fund. But I'm taking it of like, you know, I'm going to use part of it as cash in case I actually need it for emergencies. Yep. And then I'm going to do the other part is gold and silver. Yep. Probably silver because that's uh, more, you know, economically more feasible. Feasible for you, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but that's a, it's a great way to do it, just to have a different type of emergency fund to where, and you've talked about this before, it's so difficult for you to use that and not just be like, oh, it's okay. It's just cash sitting in the, you know, underneath the mattress or whatever. Yeah. That it's, it, if you really honestly truly have to use it, it hurts when you go and you go to Phil Martinez, you go, Phil, I got to sell this back yes. because I need the cash. So I'm going to do that and, uh, you know, and try and stock up a little bit that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, we, we had a big push right after the, whoever the hell runs Canada, the dumb butt. I'm sorry. He's a dumb butt. And he, you know, when he started cutting all these, all these closing bank accounts for people that was sending money to the truckers and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. That's way out. Of, he has no, no, nobody has the right to do that. Right. But when he did it, you ought to be all the people come to my shop going, could our government do that? And I said, our government can do to you whatever they want to do to whatever you, they whenever want. they want to do it to you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And there were, I guarantee you there were hundreds hundreds of thousands of dollars pulled out of the banks and spent at Phil's coins buying precious metals oh, because now they can take it home and put it under the mattress or put it somewhere. Yeah. You know, my, most of my people coming in buying it, they love the idea that they've got something the government don't know they have. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. There are two uh, different examples of that to where we should be considering, hey, maybe, you know what, if you have your investments, if you have the stock market, if you have your money in the bank, whatever, that's fine. But maybe have a little bit outside of that as well, just as an emergency, because of the the thing in Canada. You're absolutely right with the protesters. They go fund me where they completely froze the accounts there. They froze their bank accounts. They just like, oh, you're not going to do this anymore. Then we see in Russia right now to where all the sanctions came down on Russia, all these Russian you know sanctions against the banks and against social media and against the Internet and everything else. That's not hurting the ones that are actually in government leading the war. This is hurting the the, the people, the consumers yes. that have nothing to do with this and don't agree with the war. But yet, guess what? Now they don't have any social media to know what's going on. They don't have any Internet to check their bank accounts online. They got uh, a lot of their bank accounts actually frozen there as well. And if this stuff can happen all over the world, when's it going to happen here? Yeah. Yeah, it's a scary thought. Well, it is a scary thought. I mean, I got a phone call one day and talked to somebody from the IRS and told me I was being investigated for doing this and this and this. And I'm looking at it going, you know, guy, I'm sorry, this is not funny. Yeah. And she goes, well, it's not funny because a lot happened. And she said, and I can tell you right now, I, we've already pulled all your money out of the banks. Mm. We have, we have all your money. The banks don't know where your money went and the banks don't care. Yeah. We have, to, we, we, you know, so the banker called me the next day and goes, what the heck happened? Yeah. And I, and so we talked about it. And so, yeah, they, you know, because in this, you know, I hate to say it, but with the IRS, you're not innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. They take all your money, and it took us about two and a half years to get our money back. And oh. th and then for them to to just drop the investigation. No charges were ever filed. Yeah. But just to drop the investigation, they kept half of my money. Cost me $52,000. Just to investigate you. Just to investigate. Because they thought that's the way it ought to be. Yeah. Well, and then you get into the political partisanship with banks wanting to close your account because you purchased a firearm, and we don't like that, and we don't agree with you having a firearm, so we're going to close your accounts there. It's a scary ordeal. We're out of time, my friend, but yep. this is the time. People getting their tax returns, people wanting to stock up or maybe just set some money aside outside of that financial institution. Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. They're opening up here in just a couple of minutes. Phil, 
Always good to talk to you, my friend. Let's do it again here in a couple weeks. Not a problem. You take care, be safe. And all of you people out there, all of you be blessed. Always as well. We appreciate that. We appreciate that, Phil. We'll talk to you soon here. Bottom of the hour break. Open line to you when we come back here on Candace Talk on KQAM. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into the program. It is Kansas Talk right here on KQAM. Good Saturday morning to you. I am Andy Hoosier. Welcome in. Thanks again to Phil Martinez, Phil's Coins, ninety three forty four West Central Avenue, buying, selling, trading with honesty and integrity. They are opening up right now for all your gold and silver needs. Appreciate him coming on the show. We'll get him back on here in a couple of weeks. Boy, what a show we got for you lined up. We got a lot to talk about. There is some legislative issues that we need to get to. We'll talk with State Representative Leo Delperdang at the bottom of next hour to wrap up the program. Top of the next hour as well, hour number two, Tony Mativi. He's a candidate for Candace Attorney General. We'll talk with him on what's going on with the campaign, how he's doing, his background a little bit, get you familiarized with him going into election season, which is gearing up. Which I do want to remind you that the fact that we do have like one or two more weeks of the legislative session, keep an eye on what they're focused on, what they're going to be trying to push, what the the talking points they're going to have, the bills are going to try and present. Even if the bills have no chance of passing, they're going to try and present a lot of these bills in Topeka just to say on the campaign trail, hey, I did it. I was able to like promote this certain agenda. I was able to try and push this thing. I I did it. I was trying to do X, Y, and Z. And you can see exactly what the, uh, the flavor is going to be for some of those candidates. So pay attention to those as well. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. We have some calls on the line. We'll get to you here in just a minute. We're not doing it yet, but just a reminder for you, we do have some more tickets for Shinedown coming up. That's going to be on April 28th. At Interest Bank Arena, and we have some tickets we'll give away here a little bit later on at the program, so get ready for that. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I don't know if I'm going to go to that one yet or not. I probably will because it's a rock show, and why the heck not would you not want to go to something like that? What's wrong with you? All right, what's going on in the news today? There's a lot to talk about, obviously. There is a new headline that I find kind of interesting out of the state of Kansas here. Topeka Capital Journal with record low unemployment. With 95,000 jobs opening, lawmakers pass a bill. Of course, it's the biased media coming out of the Topeka Capital Journal. Lawmakers pass bill to re- to move Kansans off of food stamps in the state. I want to um, use this as an opportunity to call out the media like we love to do. Joe Biden has done a horrible job on his campaign and marketing of trying to say that he's created the 6 million jobs. It's just not true in any way, shape, or form. Right now, we've gotten back up almost to the point where we were pre-COVID-19, where people are back in the workforce. Now we have this mass exodus. Why are we having a mass exodus? Because, well, uh, there's a mental health factor. There are people that are moving up to getting promotions. There are people that are starting their own new jobs and starting their own businesses. Free market capitalism, baby. I'm a little concerned. If I'm concerned that I may not have a job if things shut down again, I want to be more secure and I want to start a home business. I want to be contract work. Do you realize how many, and uh, filing taxes, by the way, has been really fun this year with a business. <laughs> I, you know, We've done it for a couple of years now, but it's really interesting. There are more and more businesses now that are just hiring people as contract work as opposed to actual employees. So that way they don't have to pay the employee taxes. 
Makes total sense. Hey, you're no longer an employee. You're just contract work because now you get to write off as well, like mileage driving to and from work, and you get to you know write off everything on your taxes. Businesses don't actually have to hire you, sort of thing. It's kind of it's working out for everybody. You're no longer an employee. You're just contract work. Highly recommend that if you have the opportunity to do that, depending on what your industry is. But it's kind of awesome. There is, however, uh, a shortage still in the labor force. There are still, according to the Kansas Department of Labor, a massive amount of jobs that are open in the state. In fact, there's a headline again, a different article from the Topeka Capital Journal of the number of businesses that are trying to offer incentives and bonus packages and increase in wages or a sign-on bonus for you to get hired because they're desperate for work. Now, yes, we have a lot of people that are actually off of the unemployment, which is awesome. The workforce is getting back to pre-COVID-19 levels, and we're growing. That's good news. The 6 million jobs is just stupid for Joe Biden. That's not true in any way, shape, or form. I created 6 million jobs. No, you didn't. No, you didn't, buddy. It's okay. But we have to look at now why the businesses are needing to hire on with sign-on bonuses, with wage increases, with benefit increases, because they're desperate for the work. Is this the private sector that's creating this opportunity here of, oh, hey, you know what, we're just in a competitive market because there are more jobs than there are people, and therefore we need to make it enticing and uh, look very sexy for some individuals to actually want to apply to become an employee here? Or is it because of the government infringement with subsidized work that's actually causing some issues in the labor market and making it more difficult uh, for the businesses to actually function? I would have to go with the latter personally because we wouldn't have this issue if the government wouldn't have paid such high unemployment during the COVID pandemic and all the COVID stimulus paychecks that went out. And at the same time, then trying to claim that uh, they're creating all these wonderful jobs and then saying, well, we need to import more individuals into the country. We have the workers available. We should have like a half a percent unemployment rate. They say that it's happy medium between 2 to 3% in in a state. It's not really. You don't really need to have a 2 to 3%. You can have a half a percent. The people that are on like extreme disability, and when I say disability, I mean actual disability, not because we're extremely overweight and we can't move. You can still sit at home. You can work for a you know an answering service, a call service. You can do something. You, I mean, that's not to me a disability to where oh I can't work. I just need government disability. We should have like a half a percent unemployment rate due to disability or people that can't work for some way, shape, or form. That's it. That's it. Not two, not three, not four, not five percent. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's really good. That works out well. That's great. No, we should be able to actually have a large workforce uh, with the working age between 18 to 65 years old. And this is an opportunity for it. Even if it is the greeter at Walmart, those wages are going up and they need to go up right now. Not just because of inflation. Thanks, Joe Biden, for the 8 percent inflation. Not just because of the interest rates going up. Thanks, federal government and Federal Reserve for increasing interest rates to try and counter the inflation that makes no sense in any way, shape, or form. But it's because it's a basic supply, demand, and competitive market in the private sector that if wages are going up all over the place or people are getting better positions, then you know what? To entice people, you raise your wages or you raise the benefits a little bit to try to entice people because you have to find that happy medium in the market, not because the government inflated things so high that now you're just trying to survive and you're going to destroy your private small business mom and pop shop because prices are just out of control.
A lot of factors going in here. So where are we? Where do you think we are? Is it because of the private sector with com- competition, or is it because of the government-inflated market where it's out of the means for many businesses to try and survive and hire on people outside of the means while they can actually survive and pay many of their employees? Sixty or 95,000 open jobs here in the state of Kansas, and the media, the Democrats, not too happy that we're trying to pass bills that get people off of food stamps, which, by the way, it's not getting people off of food stamps all the bill actually says, this HB 2448, all it really says is that if uh, you're a, between the ages of 18 to 49 and you have zero dependents in the home and you are not employed even at least part-time for at least 30 hours a week, then you have to uh, join an employment or training program. That's it. That's all. It's not saying you don't qualify for this stuff. You still have your three months or six months, whatever it is, for unemployment benefits. It's not saying that you don't qualify or can't qualify. All it says is that if you don't work at least 30 hours a week and you don't have any dependents in the house, then you just have to join an unemployment or training program. I don't see why that's a problem, but the media, the Democrats, losing their minds again because how dare we hate the people that are on disability or on unemployment in some way, shape, or form. How dare you get people off of government programs and food stamps? How how dare you try that? Let's go to the phones here, shall we? 316-720-255. Lines are lit up. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Andy. It's Sean. Sean, how are you, sir? It's all about me, Andy. Feels right. It's all about me. All about you. That's right. That's what it's all about. That's the way a business needs to run, right? That's right. Hey, you know what? Um, that's a, a bill out in Florida. Yes. That the Democrats and, and uh, the liberal media and like call the uh, "Don't Say Gay" bill. Well, we all know that that bill. I guess it doesn't say that in there at all. Right. But the Democrats, you know, they like to take the truth and twist it into a lie and vice versa. Uh, so when it when it comes to a uh, when it comes to this uh. uh uh, situation with the uh, welfare. I really don't give a damn what the Democrats say. You know, <laughs> screw them. Yeah, uh, it's weird. Like, we have a great growth opportunity right now. We're getting almost back on track to see where the growth would have been if we didn't have a COVID pandemic shutdown. We're seeing businesses grow. We're seeing things open back up, and they're concerned on why Republicans are like, hey, you know what, maybe we should continue this momentum to get more people even off of food stamps, more people off of unemployment, even prior to the COVID pandemic levels. Let's get the workforce cranking again, the economy cranking again. Even with inflation, let's try and fight through this stuff, and Democrats are angry. Like, how dare you actually make another hurdle and piece of red tape that uh, people on unemployment have to jump through in order for them to receive government benefits? Like, why are you so angry about getting people off of government dime? It doesn't make any sense to me. I've got nothing better to do than uh, worship government instead of of, uh, the guy that uh, ordained government. You know what I mean? Um, That is true. Well, let me let me let me put it this way you know um common sense says that the more people you got working the more revenue you got coming into the treasury by way of taxes so long as your taxes are not so high that you're you know you you can you can collect that revenue right uh uh, but uh and, and if you got more money in the revenue then you got more money to fund the government take care of needs and uh you know fund fund certain programs, uh, help people on welfare. I don't like the idea of welfare, but I understand there's people out there that truly need it. Sure. You know, because it's nothing. So, 
Right, well, it's, are, but it's but it's supposed to be a temporary thing in between jobs when you know you lose your job no. or you know something happens like that. We get that, but when there's ninety five thousand jobs open available across the state, then there should be very, 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 very few people that are actually on the unemployment in the in the programs because there are plenty of opportunities. Again, uh, this may just be me with a work ethic, and it's difficult with younger kids like in my generation. But I would rather be working two different minimum wage jobs to pay the bills as opposed to sitting at home on a government food stamp. Like, I would rather do that and bust my butt and work two or three different jobs to pay the bills than to depend on the government to pay them for me. Yeah, and, you know, I wish I could wave a magic wand and make everything perfect, but we're just not going to have um, uh, heaven um, on earth. Heaven uh, is just uh, <laughs> way out there in the, on the other side. We have to no, wait for no. that one a little bit longer. That's right, Sean. I appreciate it. I want to get some other. Yeah, I want to get some other phone calls here. So I appreciate that. You're right. I mean, it's a uh, it's hard work. I, I wonder how many calls I'm going to get. By the way, of angry people saying that uh, extreme obesity isn't a disability because I I don't believe that it should be. I don't believe that it is. There are ways that you don't have to be that way. That's a choice. That's not a DNA thing, and uh, that shouldn't be considered as a disability for you to sit at home and get government times. Uh, and by the way, you can still work. If you have something like that, I know it's an, a, a controversial thing. It used to be at least a few years ago, but uh, I don't know if it still is or not. Is that still a controversial topic? That's interesting. By the way, that bill, that 2448 on the training programs or unemployment programs you have to take if you don't have any dependents or you're not working at least 30 hours a week, that did pass in the Senate with a veto-proof majority 28 to 11, not quite a veto majority in the House 70 to 46. So. We'll see if Governor Kelly vetoes that one or not, and if we have to try and find a veto-proof majority for that one. Let's go back to the phones here, shall we? Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Scott. Scott, how are you, sir? Well, uh, I don't know about the other parts of the country, but, I mean, if you live here in Wichita, Kansas, and you're African-American, even if you had a job that paid you $100,000, if you came in contact with the racist Wichita Police Department, you could be dead and you won't have any of that money because uh, right now the city has refused to fire any of these police, even though they have evidence that shows that they have uh, partaken in this racist text and things. Uh, the city managers, the city officials, all of them seem to can't do anything. Uh, the cases that these cops were on probably have paid its evidence now because you can't be sure if they've we're not doing something uh, illegal in the case. And so, therefore, people should be let out of jail who were arrested by these cops or had some kind of contact with them. And, and to me, I think it's real travesty. They need to vote some people out of office, about line, get some people who can control a police department. Otherwise, just let the police chief be the mayor. Well, I will say that right now we're with an interim police chief because we don't have an actual police chief right now as they continue to look. We talked with Brian Fry from the city council last week, and as they're still looking out there for opportunities for people uh, and, and kind of scouting out in other markets across the nation to find the right police chief, then obviously it sounds like we have some work to do to clean up a little bit or to make things a little bit more transparent. Now, I don't know. I, I know of the cases that you reference. I don't know the details of them. We are working to try and get somebody on the program to talk about them. So I can't really talk in specifics on that one uh, uh, specifically. However, what I can say is that you, you're right. I mean, we need to have some type of leadership there. And right now it doesn't sound like we have a whole lot of leadership. Well, I mean, I thought it was in the contract that they had with the police union to say, hey, if you partake in any type of racist 
uh, uh, disciplinary action, you should be fired. I mean, it's just that simple. Put it in the contract if it's not in there. That way, if they do that, it's just a simple matter of showing that they did do it, and then you're gone. But, I mean, if they can't do that, let's get some policies to do that. Well, and it's a slow process, too. I mean, it, unfortunately, it's a slow process with the investigations and with the hearings and with uh, what's going to be public, what's not going to be public, you know, when are we going to actually take it to court sort of thing. So you're right. There's a process here, and it's frustrating, but uh, I will say try and stay positive on it because uh, we want a good community, and I think the uh, police force overwhelming majority wants to be uh, positive in the community, and they don't want this type of reputation or this type of uh, negative uh, news coming out about them so you know hang tight and stay stay faithful to that one scott i appreciate it. i want to get another phone call in here before a break but yes i will actually have someone on the program to talk about those cases and what's going on with the police force because again i i don't know i have i gotta be honest i haven't followed that one quietly as closely as i probably should on that front let's go back to the phones here line number three good morning who's this yeah this is ray ray how are you my friend doing pretty good good hey uh this is the Democrats' last hurrah for many, many years if they don't lie, cheat, and steal this next election. <laughs> that because, is true. Because, yeah. They've, uh, the, this deal about keeping people on welfare, that's where they get a lot of their votes. Oh, sure. I mean, and, when you're giving yeah. things away to them, then that's yeah. the, the, then you have a voter base. A, AOC yeah. mentioned that at the federal level. If we would just get rid of all student loan debt, then you would have an entire new millennial generation that would be a dedicated Democrat voter for, for the next generation. Exactly. And I don't mind the people that actually need the welfare, sure. but the rest of them, the, these are all just... That's why they're trying to get the illegals to to be able to vote. Yeah, does it make sense though yeah. that like there? I think we've expanded the definition of disability a little bit too <laughs> too wide to classify as disability to actually get government food. So, like I get again, I'm with you. We want the hell the hand up to help people when they're in need. If you lose your job, if you do have a temporary illness or some type of injury or something, get you some money, sure. get you some help, get you back on your feet, and get you back in the workforce. I get that, but for someone who's like, you know, I, I broke my ankle, I can't go to work, so I need the government benefits, like, I, I don't understand that mentality, and why in the world would you fight against saying, you know what, uh, we have 95,000 open jobs in the state of Kansas, if you're not working at least part-time, let's get you in a training program to get you qualified to do something, so that way you can get in the workforce, why is that a bad thing? It's not, and the, the the other catch is, after you take the training program, do you have to go get the job? No, no. All you have to do is just take a training or employment program, <laughs> so that way you're more qualified on your resume when you apply for a job. Well, That's all it does. Well, well, I could become a professional trainee. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> just go, out, just do the cycle. Just keep taking the training programs and keep getting the money. Yeah. Like, it's wild. You're right, Ray. I appreciate that. we got to take a break here, but you're right. It's frustrating. It's sad, but yet that's the system that we're in because you're right. They want a dependent base. If we're giving you something and you don't have to work for it, then you're going to be that animal in the zoo that becomes domesticated and realizes that they don't have to go out and actually go hunting for their food any longer. That's a really dangerous thing. That's why they say don't like feed the animals in the wild. The natural uh, national parks don't feed the animals. They don't want the animals getting used to just actually coming up to your campsite and getting their food because that's a really bad thing for them in the wild and they forget how to actually survive on their own. We're seeing that right in our own society, right in humanity as well, and it's a little sad. Got to take a break. When we come back, we'll have our AARP update for the week. When we come back in hour number two, Tony Mativi, candidate for Kansas Attorney General, 
We'll chat with him as well right around the corner here on Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. We're talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Glenda's back on the line with us this week. Glenda, how are you today? I'm good today, Andy. And you? Hey, we are living the dream. Always good to talk with you. It is a very concerning issue, and you guys have been focused on this for a long time with the AARP, with your Fraud Watch Network, and we talk a lot about it. But with the number of scams, you guys just uh, recently saw some of the latest numbers for the last year of 2021. Shocking numbers when it comes to the amount of scams that are happening across the country and the state of Kansas. That's absolutely correct. And so that's what we really kind of wanted to follow up on. Those numbers, they're in, and the uh, FCC released them. And the annual compendium of fraud reports from last year, um, and the news, as you say, is absolutely shocking. Over the past three years, reported losses to consumer fraud has more than tripled. Uh, and that's uh, coming in at a reported $5.9 billion dollars. billion in 2021. What kind of frauds are they? I mean, are they uh, the the email frauds, phone frauds, people knocking on your doors? What do you think a lot of them are? You know, it is all a, it's a combination. It's a combination of every type of fraud that's out there has really gone up. Um, And what's really interesting about that is you're you're absolutely right. And now the cyber uh, fraud that's going on around, that's even more prevalent. So there's all types of fraud that's specifically uh, continuing to increase. Uh, But the one thing about it that we also noticed is that nearly 6 million U.S. consumers reported a scam last year. So one of the, one or two of those have been happening. And the medium loss for each of those was about $500, okay? Wow. But the uh, we, we know that the FTC can't tell us exactly all of that because everyone don't, don't really report it. So we're just talking about the numbers that were reported. That, um, that, and so the thing about it that we really want to do that we think would be helpful is that um, there's a lot of um, things that, rep- that contribute to people not reporting it because we really need to get the numbers up. And one of those is uh, victim shame. So if we really kind of change that, um, shift that paradigm and really talk more about the fraud, um, uh, you know, how just changing how we talk about the fraud victim. And really talk about the, the fact that it's the criminal and the crime that's being that's being done. So that's one thing we really want to focus on also is, is really kind of changing how we address it as we go about it and looking at those numbers. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And how to prevent it. I mean, give us some of the tips of what we can do to try yes. and limit that exposure to a fraud. Or if you do see one, how, to, how you could recognize it and make sure you don't fall for it. Right. Well, the one thing that you can do anytime you're called and you're asked to give your Social Security number, your uh, uh, credit card information, your personal information over the phone uh, from anyone uh, that you don't know or that they are following up on any kind of bill you owe or those kinds of things, those are scams. Never give any of your personal information. Never uh, deposit money uh, or, or put money onto gift cards. All of those kinds of things that people are being asked to do, those are things that you can look at and look out for and be aware of. And that way you are able to spot a scam because of just what's happening. And if you can spot a scam, you can also stop the scam. When someone does recognize a scam and they don't fall for it, but they may even report it, 
it's is there any chance that the scammers actually get caught with a lot of these or are so many of them maybe overseas especially with some of the phone and cyber scams that uh, unfortunately there's not much that we can do unfortunately there's not much that we can do but the one but what we can do is that if it's reported and we don't actually make the victim feel as if they are um, the cause of it yeah. uh, and people report it the more that that happens then we're able to um, hopefully reduce those number of um, incidents that will occur. So uh, those are some ways that we can go about actually reducing or, you know, looking at ways to reduce the number of scams that are out there. Perfect. I love it. we got just about a minute left here. We're talking with Glenda with the AARP. What else is going on with the AARP? Outside of the Fraud Watch Network, you guys always have a lot of good stuff going on. Yes. Well, one thing we really want to let everyone know is this weekend on Friday, we do have our AARP Kansas concert, and we will have our comedian on, Curtis Needham, and we really want people to tune into our AARP Kansas Facebook page for that. And then there's always still our movies for grown-ups and all the virtual events that are out there for people to absolutely be a, take, uh, be a part of. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Glenda, we always appreciate it. Always great stuff. Let's do it again next week. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into the program. Hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQM. Boy, we are just flying on by today with the program. Hour number one in the bag. Got a lot of comments. We'll still continue this conversation with this record low unemployment, according to them. 95,000 open jobs here in the state of Kansas. And yet Democrats are worried that we're making it, quote unquote, more difficult to stay on food stamps by saying with this bill, HB 2448, that if you are between the ages of 18 to 49, you don't have any dependents, you're not working at least 30 hours a week, which I don't know why you wouldn't be, then uh, you have to take an employment and training program, and uh, that's apparently a really bad thing. How dare you Republicans get people, more people off of social programs? How dare you? Blasphemy, I tell you, right? Come on. Yeah. Horrible, horrible system. Welcome back into the program. Lots to get to this hour, all presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They are open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. You can also find them online at philscoins.com. Yes, I am creating a little bit of an urgency there. If you want gold, if you want silver, like in hand, they're about the only place in the Mid-America region, not just in Wichita or Cedric County or the state of Kansas, in the entire region that actually has some. Uh, we were talking with him a little bit last hour about the fact that he's getting calls from Michigan and, and Florida of like, yeah, we've called like every metals, uh, precious metals shop in the state. We can't find anybody. It's all like a six, seven, eight-week wait. You have it in stock right now. I want some. So you can go check those guys out. They're open until 2.30 this afternoon. Bottom of this hour, we have Leo Delperding, state representative, coming on the program, give a legislative update now that they are taking a couple-week break from the session. Where are we at? What have we passed? What have we done? Are we seeing a sales food tax diminish because Governor Kelly, you know, stocking people in the grocery stores wanting to axe the tax? Is it happening? I don't know. We'll get an update from there. And what the budget looks like along with other things. Plus, in a little bit, I do want to talk about this other bill on this COVID-19 liability bill causing some issues as well. We'll get some thoughts from Leo and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Get your phone calls about it as well. But I want to shift gears. Obviously, as we're getting closer to the end of the session, we're also getting uh, to 
Election season. Yeah, campaign season. It is going to be, as you know, the fact that we're only here on the local program. We have our national program throughout the week, Monday through Friday. The local program here on Saturdays. We are going to be bombarding these airwaves with candidates from every race around the entire state of Kansas and getting you up to speed to know who to vote for or at least letting you know the candidates on so you can make your own choice on uh, who you're going to support going into election season. This is going to be, as Donald Trump used to say, huge. It's going to be bigly. It's going to be a major election for the midterm elections. And we're going to talk to candidates nonstop. Speaking of, we have a great candidate on the line with us right now as he is running for the attorney general seat here in the state of Kansas. You can find him online at TonyMativi.com. That's uh, Tony, M-A-T-T-I-V-I.com. But the man himself, Tony's on the line with us here. Tony, how are you, my friend? Good morning, Andy. I'm well. Thanks. How are you? I am living the dream. I really appreciate you coming on the program. I have been looking forward to chatting with you. This is going to be a big race for Attorney General. This is, uh, uh, first off, a really, really important seat, I think, in the state of Kansas moving forward. But uh, I'm excited for this race. Thanks. I am, too. You know, it is an important seat. And I think that uh, the main thing for folks to think about is we have a real contrast here in this election. We have two career politicians running against one career prosecutor, and I am that career prosecutor. I love it. Well, yeah, so for those uh, individuals that may not know you or have heard your name, talk about your background a little bit, where you're coming from, and what got you to jump into this race uh, for attorney general. Sure. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. So uh, I, like I said, I'm a career prosecutor. I started out in the DA's office in Topeka in 1993 prosecuting speeding tickets, and wow. I worked my way up to murder cases. And then I went uh, to work in the AG's office for two years. I'm the only candidate in the race who's actually worked in the AG's office. Uh, and then in 1998, I got hired by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Topeka you know, to work on the federal level. At first, it was doing drug cases. Uh, and then I did a lot of complex drug organization cases, cases against Mexican cartels and Chinese organized crime. And then in 2007, I had a really unique opportunity. Uh, I deployed as a civilian to Baghdad and I worked on the war crimes trials. So I helped the Iraqis try and convict uh, Saddam's cousin, Chemical Ali, uh, and 12 other members of Saddam's regime for war crimes and atrocities that they committed in uh, 1991. Um, Chemical Ali was ultimately executed. Uh, I came back to Topeka uh, when my service in Iraq was done, and I did the office's death penalty litigation. You know, a lot of folks don't realize that the Kansas Attorney General, as the chief law enforcement official of the state, one of the things that he or she has a role in is every single death penalty case that's prosecuted in state court in Kansas. And I'm the only candidate in this race who's actually prosecuted a death penalty case. Wow. Um, so I, I did that until 2008. And then I had another really unique opportunity. Uh, I deployed again as a civilian. Uh, this time I went to Guantanamo. And I spent almost five years as the lead prosecutor on the case against the guy that uh, Osama bin Laden sent to Yemen uh, to blow up the USS Cole and kill 17 American sailors. So uh, I did that until 2013. Uh, I came back to Topeka in 2013. And between then and when I retired in November of 2020, I handled a number of very high-profile national security cases right here in Kansas that you may have heard of and your listeners may have heard of. I prosecuted Terry Lowen, uh, the guy that wanted to blow up the Wichita airport for uh, al-Qaeda, convicted him, sent him off to federal prison, prosecuted a young man named John Booker who wanted to uh, blow up the base hospital at Fort Riley um, on behalf of ISIS, convicted him, sent him off to federal prison. 
I prosecuted the three Southwest Kansas militia members that wanted to blow up the apartment building in Garden City filled with Somali Muslim refugees. That was a five-week trial in Wichita. Convicted them, sent them off to federal prison for several decades. And then uh, your listeners may have heard this week there was a conviction of a University of Kansas research scientist for uh, applying for federal grant funding uh, without disclosing his ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Yes. Uh, I, I brought those charges when I was the national security coordinator, and I applaud the prosecutors and who took over for me when I left. Uh, they were able to obtain a conviction this week, which I think is great news for our national security. So that's my history as a prosecutor, Andy. I, I retired in November of 2020 with no intention of running for office, no desire to run for office. And uh, my good friend Mark Bennett, the DA in Wichita, called and said, hey, we need an attorney general who is uh, a qualified, competent, capable, professional, ethical lawyer and prosecutor. And he said, I think you're the most qualified guy in the state. Would you run? And at first I told him no. And uh, he worked on me. And ultimately, he convinced me that it was the right thing to do at the right time. I really believe that this is too important a job to, to leave to politicians, that we need a competent, experienced prosecutor in there, and, and that's why I decided to run, Andy. Well, you've definitely had your hands in a lot of different cases, not just here in Kansas, but as you mentioned, all over the place. It sounds like we may need you over in the Ukraine as well with some of the war crimes going on over there. <laughs> it is just tragic to watch what Putin is doing over there. It really is heartbreaking to see what he's done to that country. Yeah, it, it, it is sad. Do you think that we're going to start seeing some cases like that come out of the Ukraine? You know, war crimes trials are very, very, uh, they're difficult. They're difficult charges to prove, but the evidence here is so egregious that honestly, I don't, I don't see how we avoid it. I think that yeah. uh, what Putin is doing is so flagrant uh, and just so egregious. I, I think the rest of the world has to hold him accountable for that. Sure. And, no. and a war crimes trial is the way to do it. Yeah. War crime trial is the way to do it. I, I know that's kind of a side thing, but I, I found that fascinating with, uh, with your experience there. Here in the state of Kansas, if you become attorney general, what would be the main objectives, the main goals, the main things that you would like to see accomplished as attorney general? Obviously, I think the attorney general seat is becoming more and more important to every day for obvious reasons with what's going on at the federal level with the with the federal government trying to stop some of these Supreme Court decisions or, or policies from the from the feds. Would that be an objective of yours? Uh, what would be your goal or your mindset if you get into the seat? Well, thanks for the question, Andy. It, that would be a goal. So so I think there are two priorities for the Kansas Attorney General. Understand that it, the Attorney General has a different role in every state. In Kansas, our Attorney General is the chief law enforcement official of the state. Yeah. Uh, the prosecutors across the state know that they need a chief law enforcement official who is going to help them keep their communities safe. And that's why 22 sitting prosecutors across the state uh, last week endorsed me. Um, and so it, priority number one, Andy, is keep Kansas safe. And that's by working with prosecutors, working with law enforcement, make sure that the prosecutors and the agents and the officers and the deputies have the resources that they need to help keep our community safe. And then priority number two is to win in court. And whether that is obtain a criminal conviction uphold a criminal conviction like the Carr brothers murder case was upheld by the United States Supreme Court yeah. uh, by by the good work of not just Mark Bennett in the Cedric County DA's office, but also Derek Schmidt and the attorney general's office. Uh, but also uh, all of the litigation that goes on in the state on a regular basis 
Andy, one of the things I don't know if people have thought about is when we pass value them both in August, and I believe it will pass, it should pass, but that's just the beginning. Uh, We are going to spend the next several years with the abortion lobby and the abortion industry coming after that uh, amendment in court. And it is the next Kansas attorney general who is going to be standing at the podium in front of the Kansas Supreme Court arguing to uphold that amendment and managing all of that complex litigation that the state's going to be involved in for the next several years. And that's what I bring to the table. I urge the folks who uh, think value them both is important. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody in the state should think value them both is important. But if you think that amendment is important, I urge you to look at this race like a job interview, because that you're selecting an attorney general to be the attorney to represent your interests in upholding that amendment. And I believe I'm uniquely qualified for that, Andy. Yeah, amen to that. There are a couple of cases that I see is going to be some major issues coming up. Obviously, the uh, the value them both bill, and then also uh, with some of the education stuff, as we're seeing like the, the bill out of Florida that's causing some issues right now on the education and Disney fighting it and other politicians fighting it and other states starting to do the same thing. I know our legislature is going to start working on some of these issues, whether it's COVID mandates that may come down again. Uh, with vaccines or in some way, shape, or form, I I sense there's going to be a lot of topical issues to where the head attorney for the state of Kansas is going to have their plate full with a lot of uh, legal battles on some really important issues to defend and protect some of the uh, the citizens here in Kansas. That's right. And, you know, uh, our our sitting attorney general has done a very good job litigating issues in federal court to push back against federal overreach. And again, that's something I believe that I am uniquely qualified for, not just to do it, not ju- not just to walk into court, but to succeed. Uh, I think a track record of successful litigation is something that's going to be very, very important for our next attorney general. Yeah, we're talking with Tony Mativi, candidate for attorney general. Find him online, Tony We got just a couple of minutes left here, Tony, before we wrap up. And I appreciate your time. But uh, talk about where you're at. What the response has been when you talk to people across the state of Kansas and how the campaign's going so far? I'm really excited about where we're at, Andy. Um, you know, for a guy who's never run for office, and I mean, I, I've never run for school board or dog catcher. I had never even run for student council when I was in school. Um, but when I get out there and I talk to people about how important it is for the chief law enforcement official of the state to actually be a law enforcement official, how it will be my privilege and my pleasure to stand up in front of the Kansas Supreme Court or the United States Supreme Court and argue on behalf of our citizens. That seems to really be resonating with people. And and Andy, if I could get people to just go take a look at the website and look at some of the endorsements we have on there. Uh, Like I said, 22 prosecutors from across the state have endorsed our candidacy. Uh, Right out of the gate, the State Troopers Association endorsed me. Uh, There's a really neat endorsement video on there, Andy, from uh, Kirk Lippold, who is the skipper of the USS Cole, uh, the case that I prosecuted. Uh, the attorney general from Nebraska, lots of really, I think, meaningful endorsements that show just how this message is resonating all across the state. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, on a side note, you had mentioned uh, the case about the individuals at a Garden City that wanted to blow up the uh, the Somali housing area. Can you talk about that case a little bit? That was a fascinating one to me. I spent a couple of years out in Garden City. I know that they tried to tie links with you know, a, a state militia, and the state militia said they had nothing to do with it, that they went on their own accord. But can you talk about that case a little bit and some of the details? Yeah, you know, th- these guys were sort of a 
splinter uh, group or an offshoot of one of the militias down there. Uh, they really weren't consistent with the values of most folks in the militias. They were very, very vile and violent, and they decided that the, the Somali Muslim refugees were not welcome in this community, and they were going to blow up that building to send a message. Wow. So it was a really, really sort of a, a, a shocking and terrifying prospect. These guys wanted to bring Oklahoma City to Garden City. They talked about committing an attack on the scale of Oklahoma City right at 312 Mary Street in Garden City. And so it, it really was uh, one of those investigations. Of all of the significant cases I've worked on, Andy, it's probably the one that I'm most proud of because I really believe had it not been for the courage of the informant and the hard work of the agents, I really believe we would have been looking at a deep smoking hole uh, that used to be an apartment building in Garden City, and it would have been filled with bodies. And so uh, I know that we interrupted uh, the activities of three men who really wanted very badly uh, to murder as many people as they could. That's scary. That is scary that that was happening here in in our state with Candace. And there's a large Somali population in Garden City. Uh, for how small of an area and community that is, it is a very diverse area with a lot of Hispanic population, a lot of the Somali population, and others obviously as well. But uh, that would have been a very devastating thing, I think, if that would have happened. Can you imagine having another Oklahoma City right here in our state, Andy? Yeah. It would have, it would have been devastating for our state. Yeah, absolutely. Tony Mativi, you can find him online, TonyMativi.com, candidate for attorney general for the state of Kansas. Tony, I appreciate your time very much, my friend. Good luck on the campaign trail, and uh, we got to talk to you again here real soon as the as the uh, campaigns continue to ramp up. Andy, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I'd be happy to come back anytime. Just let me know. Hey, absolutely. We'll definitely do that. That's again, Tony Mativi. Find him online, TonyMativi.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-V-I.com. We'll get him on the program again very soon. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit. We'll talk about some COVID bills out of the legislature. We'll get Leo Delperdang on the program here in a few minutes as well. Plus, we haven't forgotten, I still have some tickets for Shinedown at Interest Bank Arena. The Pretty Reckless Shinedown coming in April 28th. We have some tickets we'll give away to that here in a little bit as well. Get your rock on. It's what we do right here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. program 27 minutes past the hour thanks again to tony mativi coming on the program now the candidate for attorney general there interesting information though too i uh, we're gonna get him back on the show in a few weeks and talk about some of the cases that he's worked on and some of the things that he's done regarding the garden city thing regarding the professor <laughs> uh, about uh, oh yeah sorry totally forgot to disclose the fact that i have money coming in from communist china with my research program at the university so my bad I find that kind of interesting. So we'll talk with him about some of those cases and more uh, in a little bit. Real quickly, there's a couple minutes before we take our bottom of the hour break. There's a few different pieces of legislation coming out, including SB 286 out of Topeka. The anti-vaccine language, according to the mainstream media. Give me a break. 
this garbage, this uh, COVID-19 stuff, they are still, unless you're vaccinated, then you are the scum of the earth. You are the lowest of the low if you have yet to get your COVID-19 vaccine, according to the Democrats and the mainstream media. This bill, the Liability Immunity Protections, effectively bar pandemic-related lawsuits against businesses and healthcare providers. That's ending. Now, you can be liable. If you are a healthcare provider, if you are a business and someone gets sick from the COVID-19 vaccine, then you can be liable. The plan extends those protection uh, the plan was set to extend those protections to January 2023. That ran into a roadblock when the new section included banning healthcare discrimination based on COVID-19 vaccine status. Oh my. Oh my. According to the Topeka Capital Journal, meaning you can't get fired because you're not vaccinated for COVID-19. That should have been in place, oh, I don't know, like maybe October last year when we did our emergency uh, COVID-19 meeting with the legislature and did a special session for a day to pass some protections. Maybe that should have been included in there where you can't be discriminated against as a healthcare worker based on your status for the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Because of that being included into the bill, though, the media is calling it the anti-vaccine language saying that we shouldn't discriminate. You know, we're the, they're the ones that are all about we can't discriminate based on someone's gender identification, but yet vaccine identification apparently is okay to discriminate against. Yeah, the House passed the conference committee report uh, 6451 with SB286. There it is. Moving forward. The media losing their minds. You can't uh, you can discriminate if you don't have a vaccine, but you shouldn't discriminate based on gender identi- identification or some crap. Who knows? We'll talk with Leo Delperding about some of that and more right around the corner. Bottom of the hour break. Plus, we do have those tickets. We'll give away in a little bit as well. Stay tuned. The radio tees hanging on till the end. We'll give away some uh, tickets to Shine Down, the Pretty Reckless with their Revolutions Live Tour at Interest Bank Arena coming up at the end of the month. Lots more to get to. Wrapping off the program today for a Saturday here on Candace Talk on KQAM. Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program here. Last half hour on the home stretch. Hey, by the way, if you listen to KQAM consistently throughout the week, which I know you do, and we love that and appreciate that very much, you can always tune into our national broadcast of the Voice Reason live from 4 to 5 p.m. with a flagship right here on KQAM. Also, we are doing a bit of a program change starting on Monday. And need to check it out. I know he has a big following around here, but we are getting rid of Dave Ramsey from 2 to 4 here on KQAM, and we are including the brand-new talk show, Todd Starnes, here on the KQAM Airwaves. And uh, I'm sure you've heard the Todd Starnes show. He's got a big following here in the Wichita area and south-central Kansas, so we're happy to bring him onto the airwaves. And he will be directly after Dan Bongino. He will be from 2 to 4, leading right up into my show at 4 o'clock here on the airwaves. And really excited to have Todd Starnes. We're going to chat with him here in the next week or so on the show as well. So... Get ready for that, and we are excited to have him uh, on the KQAM Airwaves and here when we chat with him in a couple of weeks, too. So Todd Starnes joining the KQAM lineup. We are getting rid of Dave Ramsey and the financial talk in the afternoons, and uh, we are sticking with the current event political talk 
right after Dan Bongino, right into Todd Starnes, right into the Voice of Reason. That's one heck of a right into Joe Pags after that as well. That's a heck of a lineup for you here on KQAM. So there's no reason for you to change your dial at all in any way, shape, or form. Let's get back into the statewide issues here in studio with us for the last half hour of the show. I can't believe it. It's already flying right on by. From District Number 94, State Representative Mr. Leo Delperdang hanging out with us here. Leo, greetings, sir. Happy Saturday. How are you doing, Andy? It's uh, always good to be on here. Yeah, always good to chat with you. You guys are in your kind of hiatus. This is like the time where everybody goes to the beach and like, oh, we're taking a couple-week vacation before we come back to do the anarchy again. I tell you what, it, it, <laughs> I, I am truly enjoying a little time back home about that I'm, I'm meeting with constituents and stuff back here but just yeah. needed a break from it all because it yeah. was getting pretty contentious the there. last couple of days you guys had there i mean I, I we had uh house majority leader hawkins on last week and he was pretty groggy after that because he said you guys didn't even get done till one two o'clock in the morning and then you know got a couple hours of sleep before he drove back down for the show on saturday morning so you guys kind of went out with a bang last week yeah but we did that a couple days in a row it wasn't just one night that we went wow. late we did it a couple days in a row in order to try and get some of the bills through and and we still did not get everything done. So when we go back up there after uh, in late April for yeah. the veto session, there's still a few things that we're going to have to address. You guys are so controversial. So uh, well, controversial. What the heck? Shaking things up, pushing the buttons, just ruffling the feathers. What the heck are you guys doing up that's there? That's just what it is. So that's what you do. Yeah. I, was, I was telling you earlier before we came on the air, we packed a couple. Well, for example, the uh, tax bills that we heard. Uh, that, it's going to affect topic. a lot of people, and I've, I've got some highlights from it I'd like to go through because it's, it's really some positive things. Sure. We reduced overall taxation by un, just under $100 million per year. Wait, 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 wait. We, we cut taxes? We did. We, we cut taxes? What? Please don't tell anybody that. I hope the mic's not turned on. Uh, right Governor yes. Kelly's going to be very angry about you guys pulling a brown back on everybody. That's right. What are you so doing here? It's over to her desk. Now, will she sign it? Who knows? But it was. Was it, it was veto proof, one. though? Um, it passed 103 to 10 what? in the House. So, yes, it is veto proof. So, Democrats even sign That means she has to sign it. She's not going to veto you, something that was a bipartisan bill. Or she may just sit on it and let it become law, too. Well, there's the this is true. Like, I don't know. I don't remember <clears throat> that bill. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember. That's so, interesting. So, we're going to see $100 million in tax cuts. Where are the tax cuts going to happen? They are all over the place. So, the bill enacted what we call the SALT, and I believe it stands for Sales and Local Tax uh, Act. Uh, it provides income tax credit for certain contributions on technical and community colleges. It enacts the aviation, the aerospace, and short-line railroad infrastructure tax credits. It also hit on teacher classroom supplies, uh, provides for an income tax checkoff and contributions to Kansas State Historic Societies, and allows for refunds pursuant to the Homestead Property Tax Act. Now, we're Kind of keep that in mind. I'm going to dive into that one a little bit because that that's going to affect a lot of people here. Um, and let's see. Also gets into rural opportunity zone programs, modifies the research and development tax credits, and it allows for additional personal exemptions for certain disabled veterans. Mm. So anyway, um, here's the first one I want to jump into. Residential property tax. You own a home, don't you? I own a home. Have you gotten your... New tax appraisals. Uh, I did get something in the mail saying that our value of the house went up a That's little bit. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Values went up. And if you're in Sedgwick County, values went up everywhere else. So uh, the bill would actually, in today, as of today, the first $20,000 valuation of your home is exempt. 
It is just part of the figures. Okay. okay. So the bill actually increases the amount of the residential exemption from the 20 mil uniform statewide school finance property tax levy from 20,000 today to 40,000. That's telling me if you took a little bit of an increase on your valuation, okay. we've just increased the exemptions on it. And that begins with this tax year, 2022. Mm. Um, we, something that will help the farmers out. Uh, you've heard of CRP. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the uh, uh, Conservation Reserve Program. Beginning in tax year 2023, all land devoted to agriculture use that is part of that CRP program will be classified as grassland for property tax purposes versus farmland. Sure. So it does give a discount to them for reserve land that's set aside and they're not actually farming it. Okay. Uh, We did the Teacher Classroom Supplies Act. It creates an individual tax credit for public and private school teachers in Kansas. Uh, to the <laughs> taxpayers' expenditures for school and classroom supplies each year. Wait a second. So you guys are actually giving the tax break on there, which, if I remember correctly, the Biden administration wanted to get rid of, and the teachers' unions that were supposed to be supporting the teachers uh, were okay with getting rid of those exemptions, even correct. though they're for the teachers. That's correct. Yeah, and okay. we pushed it through, but yet we're considered against education. Of course, yeah, you guys hate it. the education, but hate we, the teachers. You know, yeah. I've said all along, I will stand with the teachers. I have an issue with some of the other bloated issues that happen in the schools, but I will stand with the teachers. I'll stand with the classroom. It Amen to that. Happen. It does. That's awesome. Now, the one I'd mentioned earlier was the homestead property tax mm-hmm. refunds. Um, and what it does is it, it it's a refunds for claims to be paid for the amount by which the your residential property tax exceeds the amount of the property tax in what we call the base year. So the base year is either 2021 okay. or when you become eligible for it, whichever happens later. Now, what's mm. it take to be eligible for this? And this is where it's going to get interesting. I have had so many people reach out to me concerning their property taxes as they get older in what they call the golden years. Sure. You know, you, you try and retire out, but each year your house gets praised higher and higher and higher. Got to so pay more prices, out. Yeah. yeah. It goes up. So who qualifies? Claimants who are have to be at least 65 years old or they can be a disabled veteran and, and qualify. Okay. They have to reside in a house that is valued at 350000 or less. Or less, okay. Which is the, the majority of sure. us. Sure. Okay. And have a household income of 50000 or less. Mm. Now, some will break out, but it's kind of, but keep in mind that 50000 is adjusted each year for okay. a COLA, and it's based on Section 1F3 of the Internal Revenue Code. And a surviving spouse of the eligible claimant would continue to be eligible unless they remarry. Sure. So in other words, those who are in the golden years, gee, I've retired, my income's fixed. It's a way we can lock your property tax in so that each year you're not going up and up and up. Exactly. So it's something I was real happy to see about. Well, you guys are going really for the heart of it. Between property tax and sales tax, those are the biggies here in the state of Kansas. You guys are going right for the property taxes. Absolutely. Um, And then the last part of this I'll just briefly talk about is it also provides for veterans who have been honorably discharged and they are 100% disabled through military service to receive an additional personal exemption amount of $2,250 from the individual income tax beginning in tax year 23. 
So that was kind of the highlights I just wanted to throw out here on it. Though. Man, I love it. But it, it's good information for a lot of people. Um, you can go out to kslegislature.org, and it was House Bill 2239. I repeat, it's House Bill 2239, and you can easily pull that up, and there will be a, a briefing on here's everything that it includes because sure. I've just touched on just – a minute number bit of, of it. Yeah. yeah, there was actually 29 individual tax bills that we rolled into this thing. Wow! So that we could help it along. Now, like you said, with only 10 voting against this, I'm assuming that the governor will sign this. And you said if she does sign it, it or just lets it pass and become yeah. effective as well, it does take effect this year. We don't have to wait a year or two for it to actually happen. Correct. Okay. Yeah, if if she does nothing, or if she like signs a retroactive it, tax decrease. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, law would be it would become law effective. Uh, usually, it's July 1st. Okay. But yeah. there was some items in here that take place in 2022. So Sure. Now, yeah, within so. this bill, does that also include the main talk, topical point that she's touched on, plus the media's touched on, is sales tax on food? Is that included in this at all? Um. Yes and no. Okay. Okay. In this bill, this is the tax bill that was, these. this was already passed. Okay. Okay. There were some items that we did not get to. And we plan on doing it yet this year when we go up, and I believe the first day back is April 25th. Sure. First thing on the list is creating a comprehensive tax legislation, including, and I'm going to say responsibly addressing, the lowering of the food sales tax rate. And that's going to be under House Bill 2106. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be one of the first things that we're going to go and address. Okay. And I don't believe it's going to be just immediately go down to zero, but I've heard talk of it going like a four two zero. In other words, each year it may drop to four percent this year, two percent the next, and then zero the year after. So sure. that it's kind of uh, managed as it comes down because it is a substantial amount of revenue to the state that we've got to adjust for. Sure. Now this is all the fact that we're able to do a tax cut. The fact we're able to look at the sales tax on food, that sort of thing, largely with the budget you guys are working on that has to do with a lot of the money that came in from the COVID relief stuff, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and that's the other thing. We, we've had some make comments of, gee, it's such a bloated budget that we've got out there. Well, it's a lot of one-time <laughs> monies. It's, right. uh, I believe it's called ARPA monies mm-hmm. and some of the Spark stuff. But it was one-time funds that were provided through the feds sure. to us for one time. And it was used on certain things that's going to be maybe a one-time expense. So, yeah, we threw it in the budget. It still sh- accounts in there, so it looks like it's a little higher budget. Sure. But it was paid for by Fed money as it's not coming out of the state coffers, so to speak. Right. Uh, some of the things I do want to point out on, though, is uh, the, the one of the first things we did, and this tended to really make some of the Democrats not too happy, <laughs> but we, we uh, essentially were focused on stabilizing the CAPERS retirement fund. Uh, and that's going to be effective for our teachers, the firefighters, other pl- public employees. And it goes under Senate Bill 421, and it transfers up to, get this, $1.125 billion, with a B, mm. directly to the CAPERS Trust Fund. How dare you actually, you know, make us more sustainable with our bills? Yes. How dare you? So the first $253.9 million actually pays off the 2017 layering payment. So it's trying to put some debt behind us and get it paid up, get it stabilized. Um, then we took money for what we just referred to as the rainy day fund. Because sure. the way the economy's going, I am 100% convinced we're going to see a recession coming. Yep. Not going to be day today or tomorrow, but it's going to be coming. 
And we allowed for $500 million to be appropriated so that when it does hit, we're not sitting here straight for funds and we're trying to do tax increases, et cetera. It's going to help level that playing field out. Right. Um, Also wanted to look at, yeah, we talked about the federal spark dollars. Uh, They were allocated to true one-time expenditures, um, not, not necessarily creating budget growth for future years. Okay. Yeah, we don't want to expand the size of the state budget a whole lot because right. then we have to maintain it for the one-time payment, which we wouldn't be able to sustain. So it's good that you guys are looking at not like, hey, we should like add a whole new agency over here. Yeah, that's exactly it. Go after the one-time things yeah. and then get it going. Uh, we continue to invest in mental health uh, so our children, the veterans, and our families can access the services when and where they need them. Um, there were additional funds put in to increase the reimbursement rates for those caring for our most vulnerable citizens, you know, whether it be the, the, the elderly, the disabled, et cetera. Sure. We're looking at that, too. And I've, I've had a lot of feedback from people who have disabled children that they're still caring for. And, and by children, they may be 20, 30 years old, but they still are needing the parents. And I'm hoping that sure. that, that, that will help out with that issue there. Um and then making, we've just made some smart economic decisions that uh, drive, not drive up the debt by using what I said referred <laughs> to as ARPA funds. Yeah. Uh, again, to spur economic development and, and some of the infrastructures there. So that's all good. Other than that, now we're looking forward to going up there for the veto session. Wrapping up the veto session here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. No, that's a really that's a really great budget. I love the fact that we're looking at actual tax cuts. That's a term that I didn't think I would hear this year yeah. at all. So it's really nice that we're actually focusing on that. And again, like you said, you're, you're focusing on property taxes, which a lot of people are very angry about and, of course, very frustrated about because, yeah, my value went up and they, I mean, they took a picture outside my front yard. So thanks for that. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, yeah, your value went up a little bit, which, yeah. Um, you know, great. Now I get to pay so, more in taxes. Quick question to you if you got a little time. But yeah. what, what is probably the second most thing or popular subject that you've been hearing about over the past year? So the past speak. year, I'm guessing COVID? Nah, no, elections. Oh, the election stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a big one there as well, which I say, let's hang on to that. Let's do that when we come back. we got to okay. take a break here. 49 minutes past the hour. Before I forget, though, and before we run out of time, I also want to give an opportunity for a registration here to get ready for the concert. You're excited about this, aren't you, Leo? Getting ready for Shinedown. Oh, yeah. Ready to rock out this one. Shinedown. Let's do it. Caller number three right now. Look at this. The only conservative talk show where the phones light up for a rock concert ticket. That's what I'm talking about. It's Shine Down and the Pretty Reckless. It's the Revolution's Live Tour at Interest Bank Arena coming up on the 28th of April. We're going to have a couple tickets for you. Can you make it? It's going to be a big one. Get that mosh pit on, baby. We'll take caller number three right now at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK right here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM.
Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes here on the show. Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. I, I love it again. We are the only conservative talk radio show probably in the country where we're like, hey, there's a metal concert. You guys want to go? Hell yeah, we want to go. That's what I'm talking The line's lit up. We appreciate that. We gave our tickets away for today. Don't worry. We'll have some more next week. We will not be here because of it will be Easter weekend. So we will have one more weekend to give some away before the concert on the 28th. So we have one more pair of tickets that we have. Actually, I think we'll have two. We'll have two pair of tickets giveaway for the final weekend on the 23rd. We will not be here live next week because of Easter weekend. So uh, there is that. But I love it. I love giving it. You'll be at that concert, right, Leo? You'll be oh, right. absolutely. Absolutely. I can see you in the mosh pit running around, jumping. Yeah, I can see that. With my mullet haircut. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you. I'm telling you. It's going to be outstanding. We got just a couple minutes left here before we kind of wrap up. Uh, we were going into uh, right before the break. We were going into some of the last uh, item agendas before the sessions all wrapped up. You guys have the veto uh, veto session uh, here in a few weeks. But what is the priority? What is the agenda as we kind of wrap up before the session's done for 2022? All right. So, yeah, as we go back up there to veto session. Previously in the show, I had mentioned House Bill 2106. That is addressing the food sales tax rate. Mm -hmm. That's number one on the priorities. Second, we get into building on the safety and integrity of the Kansas election systems. We had mentioned that just before the break here. And addressing ballot boxes. There's a couple of bills I'll name here. Uh, House Bill 2056, 2056, uh, is elections, voting, and audits. House Bill 2138, preventing the governor from modifying election laws or procedures. And 2252 kind of expends onto that also. Mm. So there will be some addressing on that. Uh, other thing we're looking at, fully funding the K-12 through education, which we've been, been sure. doing that. I mean, she is the education governor. But we're doing this one with a little bit of a twist. We're also including strengthening the Promise Act, addressing school safety and security. Sure. Increasing the proficiency, especially in reading, and providing greater educational opportunities through what's known as open enrollment. A mm. bit of a school choice going on. I love it. A little and bit of school choice. under House Bill 2567. And then the Do you think she's actually going to support that? We'll see. That's going to be interesting. You know, we have not voted on these yet, but okay. that's something that we're going to be addressing. Sure. So, And last but not least, it's on the priorities is to continue the limits on the governor's power regarding firearms, ammunition, (laughs) and prohibiting the governor from closing places of worship, such as we've seen in this past year or two, where we became kind of the nationally known place if you want an abortion, but by golly, you cannot go to to church. church That's right. That's under House Bill 2387. You guys are hitting it. Hitting right on the head. Yes. I love that. I love it. Education bill, open enrollment, school choice, protecting ourselves with the Second Amendment, with practices of church, and focusing on election issues. You guys have a hefty slate for that last week going back in there. Yes, we do. There it is. We're out of time, my friend. Leo Delperdank, state representative, District Number 94. It's always good. Lots of information there as we try to uh, break your brains first thing on a Saturday morning. We appreciate the time. Let's get you back on here in a couple weeks and do another recap. Look forward to it, sir, anytime. We'll do it again. Until then, back at it on Monday with the Voice of Reason, our national broadcast. Again, we will not have a live show next Saturday for Easter weekend. So happy Easter to you for the Candace Talk. We'll be back at it the next week with some more tickets, with some more goodies, getting ready for the end of session 2022 in the state legislature. Until then, I'm Andy Hoosier. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.